1: On today's show, we continue our quest to try and interview each of the 2021 Division 1 NCAA champions. That means speaking with both the men's and women's singles winners, the champions in doubles, and of course, the head coaches of the winning teams. On today's podcast, you're going to hear my conversation with the Division 1 men's doubles champions, third team to do it in University of Tennessee program history. Of course, the Tennessee men's tennis teams, one of these stories of 2021 after a breakthrough national indoor event that saw them go two and one they were a top five team all season long of course they captured the 2021 sec tournament in one of the most exciting matches in the last 10 years of college tennis they rode that wave of momentum all the way to the ncaa semifinals, where after taking the doubles point they were unfortunately knocked off by By the Baylor Bears, of course, nevertheless, was still a fantastic season that ended in a championship, some hardware coming home to Knoxville, courtesy of doubles champions Pat Harper and Adam Walton, who joined me on today's show to talk about all of those aforementioned things, to discuss their run to the NCAA doubles title, to discuss how difficult it is to, you know, spend those two weeks in Orlando, how physically, mentally draining that becomes, how you have to stick to your routine everything that goes in to winning an individual title, of course. I also wanted to run through that 2021 season because clearly they're bringing back a lot of talent in Knoxville. They're going to be a team we're going to have to keep our eye on all season long in 2022, and both Harper and Walton will be back. So I wanted to discuss you know not only their success last season, but where they go from here. It is a fantastic conversation. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before we get to that conversation have to remind all of you listeners that the reason these podcasts are possible day in day out week in week out is because of the support we get from all of you because of the support we get from our crack rackets patreon family and of course because of the support we get from our friends over at tennis point you guys know the deal best equipment at the best prices tennis-point.com you use our promo code cr15 you'll get 15% off your order free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75 best of all a free can, excuse me, of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to tennis-point, the simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15. We are eternally grateful for the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Tennis point.com the promo code is CR15. Of course, I will also point out if you have missed any of our content previewing this upcoming summer hard court stretch, whether that's the Olympics, whether that's the ATP and WTA players to watch, you can find all of that content on the website CrackedRackets.com. But with that in mind, you came to hear from another NCAA champion. Of course, we've already spoken with Florida men's singles champion Sam Riffis, but now time to talk a little doubles. Here they are, Tennessee's men's doubles champions in 2021, Pat Harper and Adam Walton. Westoff, roll that interview. Let's get to today's show. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor, to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the Red Clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. joining us on the podcast now they were the third doubles team in tennessee men's tennis history to capture the ncaa doubles title your 2021 ncaa doubles champs adam walton pat harper of the university of tennessee gentlemen welcome to the podcast congratulations on the title how are you both doing today thank you doing well thanks for having us on here oh of
2: course
1: not not too bad at all oh of course it is our pleasure to have you guys and again after two weeks of tennis by that championship what was it a Saturday a Friday right. who even knows at this point you are just so worn out you don't remember the day of the week you don't really know how your body's feeling I know I lost I think 12 pounds over the course of the NCAA event and again I'm not even playing the tennis you guys are out there competing in that 100 degree heat I'll start with you Adam before we even get into the match details your team made the NCAA semifinals so you were there well through the team event there was no rest for you I guess you had one day off that championship Saturday or whatever it was and then you're back into the individual event over the course of that two weeks how is your body feeling at that point like I-, I can't even imagine what it feels like from the players perspective I played a match yesterday and it's like one match I have you know one match over the course of three weeks I can't walk today you played 12 matches over 13 days what's your body feeling like at that point
3: yeah um no it was crazy them two them two and a half weeks in orlando um we spent a few days earlier um to get used to the heat but then i remember that first day playing arizona uh i had a very long match in my singles and like the heat was just getting the better of me but i actually think that like helped me uh prepare later in the tournament um because i seemed to be uh adjusting to the heat pretty well after that but then by the by individuals and by the end of the individual tournament um the body yeah it starts to shut down that's for sure
1: Mm -hmm. and on that note to you pat and similar how you were feeling physically but the mental struggle just staying focused for two weeks at that long you know the coaches they're able to go to the bar at night they're able to have some fun you know at least socialize with their fellow coaches you players I mean, I guess if you guys want to do two, you know, 30 minutes on what's going down at the player hotel, I'm very much in favor of that, but we can save that for another time. Just mentally, the focus it takes, Pat, through those two weeks, what are you doing to stay locked in? Because I imagine it's easy to get it distracted towards the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were there for like 16 days total, I think, me and Adam were, and I think we had a lot of downtime at the hotel. Like, you go to the tennis, you practice, you play your match, et cetera, but then you have a lot of time at the hotel to, like, like i mean downtime and like watch tv i mean it's important to that you take those times to rest not like get wound up and everything and use that time effectively so you can reset for the next day because it's just one day after the other Mm -hmm. and i think mm -hmm. i was gonna say if
1: i never have to eat one of those little red hotel sausages that they have at breakfast again i will be happy (laughs) like never again pat
2: yeah i mean we had the same breakfast for like the team (laughs) event And once we got to individuals we were like, we're not having this breakfast anymore. We need to change it up. Cause it was just getting way too repetitive. And Woody likes to have like every dinner we have Italian food. So we got sick of Italian. So once individuals came, we never had Italian, just started getting a lot more diverse.
1: No, that that sounds like a good clean living, and yeah, you talk about it. I can sixteen days on the road with Chris Woodruff. I'd write a book on those sixteen days. I'd be like, here's what I learned, here's what to do, here's how not to piss him off. But you know, again, for you guys, and I'll go to you now, Adam. That transition from the team to the individual event, because of course, I want to talk about your season in general, but. What a fantastic match that was against Baylor in the semifinals dramatic 4-2 finish all eyes coming down to the final two courts you guys unfortunately on the wrong end of that match to have to rebound it all particularly and I say that I say this lovingly you know you guys aren't Americans you're not competing for a US Open wild card which is an obvious carrot at the end of the NCAA stick for anyone who's like well how do I have another week in me for you personally, and then I'll, same question with Cody, you Pat. But what is that motivation? How do you bounce back to just be in the right frame of mind come the NCAA tournament?
3: Yeah, uh, just getting back to that Baylor match, like that took a lot out of our whole team. There was one of the longest dual matches I've played in four years. Uh, it was the most energetic crowd that I'd ever <laughs> been a part of in four years. It was very loud, and and like you said, it come down to, to me and Johannes, and we were on the wrong end, but at the same time, it was invaluable that we learned what, what we did wrong, and to, just to play in a semi-final was something that I hadn't done in my previous years here. So, you know, looking back, I, I really enjoyed that moment. Um, and then, you know, that night, we went back to the hotel. Obviously, the, the team was quite disappointed, but then you know we did the end of year meetings for those who didn't go on to play the individuals and uh you know it was a quite a, an emotional meeting that meeting um but the four of us playing in the individuals just knew that it was just one more week and and so we you know we didn't do too, we didn't go silly that night and then uh we actually practiced the next day which was very hard because we saw Florida's bus come rock in and we saw them go in and you know we're like that could have been us playing them but Uh, You know, we've stayed professional, we trained that day, and then, yeah, we started the individuals the next day. And I thought that uh, I ended up making the third round, but I had a match point against uh, the top, Liam, the top-seeded guy. And losing that match, I said, that's going to be a blessing in disguise to keep me fresh, and, and it was.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I remember that match very clearly, and I don't think anyone watches Adam Walton and says that's not a guy who spends 110% physically. He's a guy who plays quick points, power tennis, right? 130 mile per hour serves, first four hands, it's off the court in three shots or less, but... No, you know, same question to you, Pat, with all of that emotion in the room. That helps, right? Just to know everyone's feeling that way. I know. And by the way, you know, we didn't get silly that night. I'm learning a couple of Australian phrases here just hanging out with you guys over this past couple of hours. But um, no, just again to, yeah, that emotion to reset, refocus, entering
2: the doubles.
1: How many people deserve credit for your ability to do that?
2: Um, well, I mean, it was a definitely a tough loss. Like, so much is on the line. It's probably our toughest loss of the year because it meant so much. But for me, I had a few days to regroup, I guess, because I wasn't playing the singles like Adam and Johannes and Martin. So I had a couple of days to repair, sort of just focus on doubles, which was good. And I knew Adam was out there grinding against like Z Clark and Draxel. So he was obviously tired going into the doubles matches. So it was kind of important that I was like prepared and switched on so I could like help him out a bit more, and I like, I was hitting, like, tw- twice before we'd actually go out on court, so it definitely helped a lot, and so I was pretty dialed in for, like, that whole week, which was good.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a theory that it's more difficult to watch a match than it is to play a match. Are you on the sidelines during Adam's singles, being like, I'm going to watch the first set only, then, look, I got to go hit the AC?
2: Yeah, I definitely tend to walk away a lot, definitely get <laughs> stressful, especially the long points. You just don't know who's going to win it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Draxl's match was definitely tough. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's not like Adam plays a lot of long points, right? So there's not (laughs) a lot of opportunities for stress either. But, no, you guys, you know, you're the number three seeds heading into doubles. So certainly, and we saw all year long, I think you lost like four times all season, maybe fewer than that. And we saw the level you two were capable of. First match, you get through comfortably. You knock off Duke in straight sets. Second match, again, tested in a first set tiebreaker and i'd argue that mcdaniel martin team from georgia tech they were sneaky good all season long but you get through those first two matches i have a theory and again just being around on the grounds first couple of days you're just kind of playing to play like if i win great if i lose whatever this week is over i get to go home but you can tell there's a shift around the quarterfinals where for every team left in the draw they sort of think to themselves, wait, I'm only three wins away now. It's sort of real that we can win this championship. Adam, for you that day, that round of 16 match, not only do you guys win that round of 16, but that was the day you drop your singles match. Is that the day things get serious for you guys?
3: Well, for me personally, um, I've always cared a lot on my singles. (laughs) And so, you know, losing that match really did sting. And I had about a 90-minute turnover before we had to play the Georgia Tech pair. And uh, you know, I was not going to let that singles loss get in the road of what we'd been doing in doubles for a good month and a half prior to that. We we were on a on a quite a long lengthy winning streak going into the uh, into the NCA individuals. We we'd done very well in the tournament, and we'd done well in the SEC tournament. We'd done well in the late stages of the SEC regular season. So we we knew we were playing our best tennis, and I just knew better than to let one singles loss get in the road of what we were trying to do. And we knew going into the tournament that we were definitely one of the teams to to beat for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And now I get to geek out a little bit on the doubles because you guys play a style that's near and dear to my heart. Lots of serving volley. You're getting two up at that net as frequently as possible. Uh, a tactics question, I suppose, for you, uh, Pat, because you know Adam sort of referred to it there, and I have the number in front of me now: nineteen and six overall in the season. And I think you guys didn't lose. I want to say LSU in April. That was the last loss you guys had in your season. You guys win the rest of the matches out. What clicked for you guys? You know, was there a moment? Was it around April? I know I was at the national indoors this season not to bring up the sour note again we're going to get to the title match soon I promise but I was at that UNC match at the indoors where it felt like you guys were three minutes away from capturing the doubles point and I know you guys play Cernok Blumberg as close as possible but that felt like an inflection point in the season as well was there a moment where you and Adam sort of look at each other and it's clicking because again that sort of success not easy to come by
2: I don't know, I feel like we tended to click a lot more against the bigger teams and bigger opponents in the year. Like when we played in the tournaments like SEC tournament, we're undefeated. Like we did well indoors apart from Blumberg and Sonok, which is a tough match. But I don't know, there wasn't really a point where we clicked. I don't know. We just sort of locked it down kind of for postseason, I think. Like we knew we going into the tournament, we said to each other, like we can win this. And I don't think many other teams like had that mindset. They just like go in try and in a couple of rounds maybe, but we definitely had that mindset going into the tournament. And I guess we were lucky to have Woody on our court. He's very, like, got good knowledge of doubles. So it was definitely handy having him in our corner.
1: Mm-hmm. No, there's no denying that. And again, speaking of your coaches... Fun dynamic. I think it's one of my favorite pairings in the country. They, you know, I think Woody is underrated as a competitor. If you actually watch his body language, watch how intense he gets during a match, you're like, keep your distance. You're like, you know, you know, stay away. Meanwhile, for James, he wears the emotions on his sleeve. You see it right away, that intensity. Having those two in your corner. I mean, through those first three matches, you guys don't drop a set. You're moving comfortably, but... You know, what are they saying to you during those matches, particularly, again, with this theme? It's second week. Is it just stay focused, execute the game plan, Pat? What are they saying to you guys?
2: Yeah, well, we get a game plan before each match, so we know what we're going to do every time we step out on court. And, I don't know, if Woody sees something out on the court that we haven't said, like he'll tell us what to do or... Whatever, but I mean, me and Adam just play pre- traditional doubles. Like I come to the net a lot, but it's pretty solid from the baseline. So we got a good like tandem there. So I think we just gel really well. And like I'm good where he's not, he's good where I'm not. So yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree with you there. I I would say you're better at the net than Adam too. He's no, no. I'm just I, I'm just messing with you. But there's got to be something what he says, right? Because I have seen. I I don't want to give away the match and who he was talking to about, but. I, I will say this, he was talking to a certain player during a certain NCAA match, and he's saying, hit to the backhand and he will break down. Like, he was just so definitive. He was like, "We are going to beat this player, here is how you are going to do it. And again, from your perspective, Adam, I would say he coaches hard. And uh, is that something you guys feel as players? And again, he's a demanding coach, but he, there's no denying he gives his all. Is that a fair assessment?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, he knows how to get the best out of his players. Like we, <laughs> we are a team that is much better than we are on paper. I think we're we're one of the toughest teams in the country. Um, like purely because we, I, I think we, we train one of the hardest uh, out of any team in the country. Um, and then when it when it's go time, like we are ready. And it just it's a it's a combination of, of everything we do starting now that will that will pay off in may like literally at, in the fall what we're doing then pays off in may in my opinion
1: mm-hmm. yeah and again it did pay off in may as you guys straight sets through the semi well five and four over fronson and la now you're into an NCAA final. And I don't, I think it's the fifth, I want to say fifth in program history, maybe, because I feel like JP Smith and Davey Sandgren must have made a final or something like that. And I think Smith might have done it again or Sandgren did it again. I know they both had success around that time. And so obviously, uh, Lobetus Reese, they win the title back, I want to say 13 or 14. Uh, but for the two of you, You're going into an NCAA final. You're playing an Auburn team that you have to be familiar with at this point of the season. Certainly your coaches probably are as well. I'm always curious because I know for me, not trying to compare, club tennis final. Listeners have heard about it before. 2017, shout out to the Wolverines. I'm not sleeping that night, and there's nothing on the line for me. You guys are playing for an NCAA championship. I'm going to use the phrase any silliness the night before what are you guys doing to just get ready get yourself in the proper mindset to compete on that stage
2: definitely wasn't any silliness I think (laughs) we were there for so long so I think we just kept the routine simple and for myself it was definitely a little harder to sleep than it normally was going into that match and especially knowing what the Auburn team was like we played them earlier in the year and we probably both felt that we were probably the favorites going into the match despite we lost them earlier in the year but Yeah, definitely sleeping was a little more difficult for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, you bring up that loss you had to them earlier in the season. Adam, is that something that's on your mind? And, you know, I say all the time, I think a doubles pairing is like any relationship you have in your life. It gets physical, there's high fives, there's touching, there's emotional chats. You got to soothe one another, support one another, all of these things. What are you two saying to one another with the perspective in mind, you have lost this team already this season heading into that match?
3: Yeah, I mean, we knew when we played them in the regular season that it was by far not one of our best performances. Um, And we still only lost in a tie break. Um, They're a a team that uh, can have very good days, but if you've looked at their results throughout the season, they've also had some days where they haven't been quite at their best. And we knew what they were capable of, because had anyone said that that team was probably going to make the final, they not many people would have picked them, you know, okay. and so we knew that going in that we were we were the favourites, like Pat said, despite having lost to them in in the seat in the regular season. Um, but we knew the tennis that we were playing at that moment was was going to be good enough, and it just come down to trying to have to execute it on that day in a big final, which was something that we struggled to be honest a little bit. We did not play our best tennis in that final. We were both more nervous than we had been in the previous matches um and you know it it come down to a couple of points at the end and it could have gone either way
1: who's the most nervous walking on the court you pat uh woody or james because it's got to be close
3: i don't know if, uh, i mean Woody tends to hide um, his emotions i don't, I don't well. know
1: <laughs> yeah they're all they're both all four of you it's a tie it's you know there's no uh wrong answer to that question but no you bring up that final now again it, you guys end up you take the first set tiebreaker uh i think seven six seven five in that tiebreaker you end up taking it and i, I think there were no breaks right in that opening set you guys hold serve maybe there's one break on each side we were, i want to say
2: yeah we were down three love in the first
1: that's what it was so the early deficit you guys end up getting that break back you come back seven five first set They take the second set 6-2, and then it comes down to a sudden death tiebreak. And I don't mean to just rush through the first two sets like that, but I am curious for you guys because during the season, it's one set, no ad scoring. And one set, no ad scoring in doubles in particular is essentially Russian roulette. Spin the gun. You got the break of serve. You made more first serves on this day. You win the set. Third set breaker coming down, you know, it coming down to a third set breaker do that does that one set format that russian roulette format help prepare you for a moment like that like are, are you, how are you feeling pat heading into that deciding tiebreaker because i imagine again championship on the line the nerves are there
2: yeah it's kind of like the one set format it's just like balls to the wall give all you got for that certain amount of time and like that tiebreak's a bit quicker than a normal set but i know we said like let's just give it all now balls to the wall let's get after it like high energy and stuff and see if we can get this
1: Mm-hmm. Is the 11-10 point – right, we'll get to the match point. Don't worry. But the 11-10 point, you guys fight off a match point. Pretty sure is it uh, – I want to say who was serving at the time. I want to say it was Finn who was serving. Hits a bomb. You're lucky to get your racket just on that return. You end up stealing that point eleven 0 I know it's all adrenaline at that point, but can you play the match back in your head, Pat? Do you remember that return, reaching out for it, getting your racket on
2: it? Yeah, I think – might have been the 9 8 point. No, get, no it, w- it was McLean who served a big lefty okay. serve T and I kind of got like just a good forehand return on it. And then we kind of picked up a few volleys and a smash and like lucky to get that point. And then I think we went absolutely ballistic when we won that point. And then we changed sides and they had another match point on Adam's serve. We got that. Then we had one match point on one of their serves, like a long baseline point with Walt back. And, yeah, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, no, and, you know, again, you talk about the crowd. I thought it was a pretty impressive crowd for a championship, you know, final match of the championships doubles crowd out there. Are you feeding off of that crowd, Adam? Do you feel them in that third set breaker?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we liked – we had uh, both James and Ian, our um, two coaches, just in the in the crowd as well as all of our – uh, support. Uh, my girlfriend was there, so that was good. And then uh, Pat's brother actually came down and surprised him for that final, so that was good. So we had a lot of lot of support and, uh, you know, I think they had a lot of support too, so it worked both ways, but um, yeah, for sure it was, it was good having them there.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get to 12-11 in the tiebreaker. Point ensues. There's some funk- funkiness at the net. Whatever happens, you guys get up there. Balls hit at Pat. I'll let you take it from here, Pat. What happens in that moment? You guys end up, the ball goes by them. You're national champions, but what happens in that
2: moment? You've got this confused.
1: Was <laughs> it is the ball hit at Walton? Am I wrong here?
2: Yeah. So I serve. Oh, excuse me. Okay. I serve, but I serve body to Nugget, and he kind of gets the return back cross. I half volley down the line to McLean, which was a pretty ropey half volley, and then he kind of unleashes on a forehand, and then it was to Walton, not Harper. And I know you said that in a a podcast, but yeah.
1: That's what it was. Again, the problem is you uh, and I. I have to identify it by racket because when you both turn your hats, well, you guys have enough hair coming out the side that I'm like, I don't know which one's which. I'm like, I, I literally I'm like, I know the Bablats Walton. That's what I go with. Yeah, um, we both but, got
2: the long hair and the highlights, so it's hard to tell us apart. Exactly,
1: and again, both just so good at the net. I mean, when you're at the baseline, you don't miss Harper. You're just a grinder back there, so you look a lot like Adam, but. All right, we'll flip the gear here. Leave it in, West Off Adam, take us home. What happens on match point?
3: Yeah, so I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was 12 11. Uh, yep. 12 11. So uh, it was our first match point, I think, that was on our serve. Um, because the other, I think we may have had one, one or two maybe before that, but it was on their serve. So we never really, you know, we hadn't, hadn't had one on our serve. And then I do remember, like, we, We'd been serving body to to Finn, who was on the ad, um, the whole time. So we're like, okay, we've got to go body again. And he's hit his spot really well. Finn's n- did a pretty good return cross. And then Pat's half volley was no good. <laughs> and he's like, it, it was quite a soft, no, not so good ball uh, straight to tad. He has a forehand and he's, he's, he had a forehand. He's hit it probably from... The service line to the baseline is where he was standing in between there and he's hit it directly onto my left side. And i have scooped it up in a backhand volley motion. And it has hit the frame of the inside of the racket that then has hit my, the, the frame of the racket then hit my shin and the ball. If you actually watch on the film, the ball bounces weird because of the the racket shank. And at the time, he uh, Tad has heard the racket that has hit my shin. Um, and so they were complaining that he thought that the ball had hit my shin. But the umpire, I mean, it's not my call to make either when there's, there's eight umpires on the court. And the actual umpire in the chair had the best view. He was literally mm-hmm. only a couple of feet away. And he saw it how I felt I hit the ball. So... Mm-hmm. I think the correct call was made and, you know, it was kind of disappointing because we, we lost the, uh, the, uh, like they kind of took it away from us a little bit. Um, and I know in the heat of the moment, like had it been on the other way, we probably probably would have took it away from them too. Had the exact same thing happened, you know, cause we're trying to argue with the umpire. But then I do remember after they had, watched the film enough times after the match, the coach then come over, uh, the Auburn coach, I'm not sure his name, but he then come over to me and and he did apologize for the way that they, you know, acted after the match and kind of stole the, the win celebration from us. So they were quite, you know, remorseful in that, which was good.
1: No, of course. And again, it's all he in the moment. It's all bang, 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 bang. We're talking about a span of five shots. It was a five, six shot point. And, you know, again, I can't believe I screwed up that first detail, but I've watched the replay a bazillion times. And I was there. I, I was in person. You watch it happen, and sort of two things go through your mind. And for the record, if you want a job in podcasting to either of you, but Adam, that was play by play to its finest. I just got. The exact picture, I saw it all. If you've played doubles, you can imagine Pat's floated half volley. You can imagine the feeling of Adam being there at the net, being like, am I about to get tagged in the nuts? Like, is this forehand coming for my nuts? It is. And that's what he did. He goes for the body. And guess what? That's what you do in doubles. And again, 7-6, 2-6, six, speaks to the drama of the match. This was a fantastic final. I think anyone who watched it would say as much. And the fact that you had three all at the first turn, six all at the second turn, nine all at the third turn, it speaks to, you know, we were one point away from a fourth turn. Speaks to how close and how thin the margins were in this match. Watching from afar, I'm glad you bring up the noise, Adam, because it does sound like either two things happen. The ball either hit your leg, something hit your leg, like that was, it was clear something hit your leg, but having played that, you get jammed body, right? It's a reflex, it's like a reflex reaction. That's what that backhand volley was.
3: Yeah, correct. And it's, it's the racket hitting the, the, the knee. Of course. Uh, or not the knee, the shin, sorry. The racket hitting the shin that is the noise, but then you just watch the ball how it bounces. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, unless my shin is not straight. There is no way the ball bounces like that
1: or unless you have like quads of steel or something yeah exactly it's like that is not how a ball bounces off of a body because it still had enough pace on it it came off weird like it 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 something sounded weird and it almost looked for a moment like it hit the ground first but it was really just a react it was a reaction half volley
3: correct and and at the end of the day like it's not a player's decision to make the calls in college. absolutely and there, I mean, college, ten, anyone who plays college tennis know that there's, there's ropey calls in college and it's up to the umpire to, to overrule these calls and, and, and not overrule these calls. And a player should never have to be in charge of that. Absolutely. So the responsibility is onto the umpire to make these calls. And it was near side, like you were directly under the chair, it wasn't a far Correct. side valley. He had, it was he near had side. the best view of anyone in that facility of that particular moment. He was, he was less than 10 feet away from me. Mm -hmm.
1: and you have you have so many umpires there all the umpires are there I agree with you and you know again you can understand why the Auburn team in the moment would feel would feel how they felt about it because you're competing for a national championship absolutely and I think more than anything else are they both seniors they may be but I'm sure they're looking for a shot at you guys next year if nothing else and so that's a match to circle on the college tennis calendar but we'll go back to you now Pat 12-11, 1211, you watch all of this unfold. In your head now, national champion, what's going on?
2: Well, when it happened at the time, like, I think there's a photo of, like, me. I put my hands up, but I didn't, like, rip them on because I didn't know, like, what exactly was happening. <laughs> I didn't know, because the umpire was a bit quiet, and, like, I know Tad and Finn were going a bit crazy, so, like, I didn't know we had won the match or we were still going, so I was, like, kind of anxious about going crazy. And as Walt said, they kind of took it away from us. But it was definitely a crazy few minutes there. I know Tad and Finn kind of shook our hands very aggressively. And it was a bit of banter there, I guess. But, yeah, it was wild.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But then they put the trophy in your hand, right? And now you are an NCAA doubles champion. And, you know, again, third team in history to do that in your program. Regardless, I mean, you dropped one set on your route to the title and you guys were a top four team all season long, always in the mix there, regardless of the rankings, you guys played the best, you beat the best week in, week out. What does it mean to you, Pat, to, you know, again, put that final feather in the cap and end this title as an, uh, end this season as an NCAA Dubs champion?
2: Definitely means a lot because we worked so hard all year for it. I mean, going into the year, we weren't expecting to play with each other. We got randomly put together in the fall, but we definitely knew we could do special things as the season went on. And just to get the title at the end of the year made it all worth it. And especially doing it with well, both being from Australia, it definitely means a lot.
1: Yeah, see, I had heard a rumor that the first thing Walton said when coach suggested you two pairs like, oh, why? Because we're both Australian. Like, you think this is going to work? It's not going to work. No, he didn't say that. That is not what I heard. But again, for you, Adam, same question to do it with a fellow countryman to be the third person, uh, third team in school history to do it. And most importantly, in a season where you guys won the SEC title, had so much success to be able to end on a positive note. What does that mean to you?
3: Yeah, it was uh, very cool to to win it with Pat. I mean, we, like he said, weren't meant to play in the fall and we were actually on the on the bus going to South Carolina for the hidden duel matches where he said, he uh, he called me up at the front of the bus and said, I think I'm going to put you with Pat rather than, I don't know who I was meant to play with. What do you think? And I said, you're in charge. Just you do what you <laughs> think's best. And, and and really, we gelled all fall and we had a very good fall. And then... Uh, actually at the start of the season um, in January we were we were both out um, and because uh, I actually got appendicitis and and Pat was was out for a couple of weeks and so it kind of didn't mess anything up so then when we come in our first match was kickoff weekend at maybe the end of January and uh, we were both back at the same time so it kind of just everything kind of aligned and we just kind of picked up from where we left off. We had a top 10 win that week at kickoff. And then we just carried that through to indoors and then started well in the SEC. And we just kind of carried it all the way through. And, you know, to to win it with, with, with one of, you know, one of your best mates is, is something that not many people get to do. And so I'm, you know, going to be forever grateful. And it's a memory that will will forever stick with with me for the rest of my life. Absolutely. And speaking
1: of, again, that opening weekend, I do, before I let you guys go, want to talk about this Tennessee season because even outside of what you two were able to accomplish, it was, again, one of the better seasons in recent memory for this Tennessee men's program. You look at what you guys were able to do, and it's so interesting you bring up the kickoff weekend because if memory serves me correct, you guys were at NC State, and I want to say you played Old Miss first. And in that opening doubles point, and we were on the live stream, this is why I remembered. I'm also weird like this, but comes down to a doubles point. So It's just so interesting to hear you guys hadn't been playing in the weeks leading up to it because comes down to two tiebreakers. And I don't remember if it was one and two or one and three, but it was you guys versus Reynolds and Sand Cullen and one other pairing. And you guys— yeah, that's what it was. And so you guys lose – so at three, right? And so yeah. you guys lose that doubles point. They take both tiebreakers. And yet coming out of that weekend, like you guys were one of the stories. It was like, oh, man, this Tennessee team can play and because Ole Miss is a good doubles team regardless. And you know, we saw them in the NCAA round of 16. We know how good they can be. I'll start with you, Pat. When did you have that feeling about this team? Because it was pretty clear early on, kickoff weekend, and I'll get to North Carolina in a second, but that you guys had the goods.
2: I mean, we knew we had the goods early on for sure. Like in the fall, we had pretty good success as a team. Like we put the beat down on like all the SEC teams we played in the fall, and we knew going into the season that we were definitely one of the better teams for sure. And I think a lot of people doubted our team a lot like listening to podcasts, et cetera. I'm not going to mention which ones, but people knew we were good, but they didn't know how good we were. And I think the work we do behind the scenes, like definitely shows for that. We're definitely one of the hardest working teams out there. And so we definitely knew we were one of the best for sure. And it was just came down to like a few points every match. And yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: No, you can point two thumbs at one of the podcasters who was not early on the Tennessee bandwagon. I was pretty early. Like, I was there by the kickoff weekend or by the national indoors. And, you know, this gets to the UNC match, which, you know, again, they end up tripping you up. That's one of the four losses you guys have during the year, Adam. But, you know, a couple of things coming out of that match. A, Will Blumberg's been bageled once during his college tennis career. It was by Adam Walton. NCAA National – or ITA National Indoors 2021. That was the strangest – it was just – it was something. It was something. And so you look at that match, and I think you were up 4-1 in the third when that match finished or 4-2, at least up a break in singles, Adam. But you watch how you guys played that team, and they go on to win the championship. You can make a legitimate case five minutes in doubles, ten minutes in singles go your way instead of the Tar Heels – And you guys win that match. And you could very well have been the team competing against Baylor for the national indoor title. And, you know, again, throughout the course of that weekend, you go on, you beat TCU, you beat Texas. And at that point, it was very clear, Tennessee, top five team, you guys stayed in the top five of the rankings the rest of the way. I guess I know that was a loss against North Carolina, but is that one of those losses where as a team you come together and you say, we should have beaten the national indoor champs?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we knew that we uh, were going to have a good shot going into the match, and then uh, you know we we got unfortunate not to win that doubles. I actually think we had match points on. So we, me and Pat lost, but then we won on three, and then it came down to court two, and I actually think we were six five love forty on Simon's serve, Simon Söderberg's serve, and then they hold, and then we lose a tight breaker. Um, and so that one really kind of hurt. And then once we, cause we felt like we should have won the doubles. I kind of feel like that took away a bit of our uh, belief because we kind of thought at the back of our heads that we needed doubles. And then, you know, we would be looking good to, to maybe like pull off the upset. Um, and so I feel like we kind of started slow despite I didn't start quite slow, but um, and then like, we really did get into the groove later in the, in the in the singles and you know had we won the doubles we who knows a long way to go but we were winning on the on the two courts that were unfinished so yeah
1: mm-hmm. no and then again you know yes that match goes against you but you bounce back you beat a good tcu team you beat an eventual fellow ncaa semifinalist in texas and then you guys are rock and rolling into your sec season and I think the question everyone wants to know, and I would just not be doing my job if I didn't ask. I guess I'll go to you, Pat. What happened at Arkansas? Like, what goes on? I know that's a funky place to play, and I believe they tripped up Baylor in 2020. But, you know, again, what what happens in that match? Because the loss at Florida, it is what it is. And believe me, we're getting to that SEC championship match. But what happens at Arkansas? And in retrospect, does a moment like that help your team the rest of the way?
2: if you ask that question to our whole team, a lot of everyone would just be like, we don't know what happened. Like <laughs> yeah. that day was one to forget for sure. We got the doubles point and you think we got to win three singles against a team we probably should beat, but fine. I know we pulled Giles from the singles lineup and we should still get the job done. Favorites everywhere, but don't know what happened at all. I know I lost the third set that day. Luca lost the clinch third set that day and even though we were in that position with Luca, we still believed we were going to get the job done. But that day was definitely one to forget. And I think I truly do think it did help us in the long run to, we were not playing our best tennis leading up to that. We're kind of just getting by. And I think that loss really got us into gear. And I think from then on, we really started to lock in and play more as a team and just clicked everywhere after that. So I definitely think it did help us, even though it was a, tremendous loss for the program
1: mm-hmm. and adam you made a face when i brought up that question so i want to ask the same thing to you with the added perspective of you guys are pretty good 2019 you end up you know that match you guys beat florida in the sec tournament one of my favorite matches i've watched in in my life watching college tennis and you guys make the round of 16 that season that was a good season by tennessee standards still up to that arkansas match you had lost twice in 2021 and you had earned wins against top 10 top 5 teams and you know you were you know respectfully just in another echelon this season than you were even in 2019 and so you know one of the seniors one of the leaders on the team a loss like that to Arkansas what are you telling the guys what are you thinking in that moment
3: yeah i mean everything was was it was going to plan like we rocked up 2 days early we uh, had all the preparation, like nothing was out of whack. We were well prepared. Um, we come out, we execute the doubles exactly to plan. and then they made the decision to to, to pull Giles uh, that day and like Pat said, that should not have mattered. Um, but yeah, a lot of our guys struggled that day. We end up losing four singles and, like Pat said, we just don't know what happened. I uh, I think even even uh, who won that month? Johannes won that day, and and I won that day. But w- both of us still didn't play our best tennis. Um, and then the rest of the guys didn't play. I don't know what it was. I really it was a bizarre day, and it was a very uh, long plane ride home, as you can imagine. Um, but it did fuel fuel us to go out there and 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 really show. Why we were a top five team and and how that loss really did motivate us and I think the next week we actually come out and beat on A and M four zero and were you know winning on every other court as well so we actually could have maybe even sweep them had we played it out
1: mm-hmm. no absolutely that's what I was gonna say clearly it did light the fire because you guys go on you beat A and M you then beat a round of sixteen team in Old Miss you beat a round of sixteen team at the NCAA's in South Carolina and then. We get the rematch with Florida and we've been saving up till like the 40 minute mark of this podcast to get to the real juicy stuff because one of my favorite takes to share listeners of the podcast will know is that the best rivalry in college tennis over the last five years. I'm not saying the best rivalry in the history of college tennis because you see for a while it was literally just USC versus UCLA. And so fine. If you want to count the fifties, the sixties, cool. We don't do that here at crack rackets. We focus on the here and now past few seasons Tennessee versus Florida, it's just meant a little bit more. I referenced the 2019 SEC uh, match you guys played, uh, SEC tournament match. That season, the regular season match was even contentious as well. And then, of course, you go on to play the round of 16. Now, uh, in 2021, this year, they were the team that beat you in the SEC uh, regular season play. And you get another shot at them here in the SEC tournament. Before we even get into the match details, I'll start with you, Pat fair assessment, like does a match between Tennessee and Florida mean that much more to you guys?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Like if you look the past few years, it's probably definitely the biggest rivalry for sure. I know my first year we came in I played them three times my first year in the regular season, the tournament and the NCAA tournament and played them five times now. And it seems to just get bigger and bigger each time we play them. And I know the SEC tournament one this year was insane. And then the 2019 one as well. But even the NCAA tournament one in my first year in 2019, like we were points away from beating them there and advancing to the Elite Eight. and could have done big things there. But I don't know, definitely you just feel it on game day when you go to play the Gators and like they hate us, we hate them. And yeah, it just means more for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. were you on three Adam in 2019 were you who played Andy I don't know if that was three or four in that 2019 match uh like were you guys that. come back or did you play Riffus
3: I played Riffus on two Luca played Andrade that's,
1: that's what cool. it was right and he ended up coming back but you ended up winning that match as well and so again that match I the fact that I can remember you playing Riffus at two that speaks to uh how memorable of a moment it was what are you telling your team when you're playing Florida? Is is that the team you would say, you know, again, you get most geared up for?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think the rivalries, it, it started, uh, yeah, from from that 2019 season. I remember yeah. the chomp. I remember the Gator chomp. Don't think yeah, I've forgotten. Our, our manager at the time did the big Gator chomp, and, and, and that sort of, like, you know, made yeah, it even bigger because, like, everyone was talking about that match and talking about the chomp and, Just talking about the match so i think ever since then uh and you know where we've been the two teams one of like the one of the better two teams in the sec competing for the championships uh in the last couple of seasons so it definitely is for sure that one of the bigger matches that we put in the calendar Mm -hmm. and then
1: you get into that match you guys take the doubles point in that one uh but Everything's tight across the board in singles, and there are a bunch of momentum swings. Of course, it helped that this match was on ESPN+, and it just added to the drama. And If you're going to feature a match on ESPN, it better be a match that's this good, and it was that good. You have all of the drama, and I suppose to the victors come the spoils, and in the end, you're both winners because you guys win the match. Florida goes on to win the national championship, so perhaps there's no ill beans left over, but you're watching on the sideline. You see what happens to Luca. You're watching the drama match in, match out. James rushes the court and everyone rushes Luca just for that not to happen. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll start with you, Pat. Your reaction to that match, what you remember from
2: it. Yeah, that day was an absolute roller coaster ride. Um, we definitely thought we were the better doubles, like overall team going into the match. I know Florida was struggling with doubles at the time throughout that tournament. So we definitely felt like that point was ours. And we, got that which is good and then singles against florida they're pretty strong pretty much at every single spot i feel like Guja could play anywhere shelton can play anywhere as well so like they got so much depth and but we knew our guys could get the job done and um lucas match was tough to watch for sure i just lost to good after being three one up in the third so that was i was dealing with that And then watching Lucas match and seeing him have, like, a couple match points or two or three in a row. I'm not sure. It might have been 6-3 in the breaker. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly. But – and then I didn't rush the court. I know a few of the guys on the team did prematurely and James. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Because I I didn't want to, like, rush early because, like, you you dream about, like, that sort of situation, like, that happening to you. And after that happened, you, like, kind of go, like, oh, shit. Like, could this like get away from us and but I know my team playing on the other court I'd all confidence my team he's my roommate for the past three years and he's beat Andrade earlier in this year and so I was completely fine with him playing on court but it did get ropey for a bit there he, I guess he was down like love 30 on one of his service games but got it back and then to see him clinch it apart from myself like seeing him clinch like it's just amazing to see that I was so happy for him I know he'll remember that for the rest of his life. And yeah, it was a great day for the program.
1: Mm-hmm. No, same question. And, you know, uh, we talked to Sam Riffis uh, last week and uh, had the chance to ask him about this match as well. And he revealed the detail that I know had been floated around. But, you know, you guys win the title. And obviously, again, we're going to use the term that's worthy of getting silly about. And you guys go to the airport, you're getting ready to hit your connecting flight over in Atlanta and who is not only at the airport but on your same flight it is the university of florida team you guys have just beaten in perhaps the most dramatic 4-3 match certainly of the 2021 season but perhaps of the past few seasons adam again you guys were the winners that day so i suppose it's easy to stay classy but you see them in the airport what's going through your head and again winning that match what's that feeling like
3: yeah i mean that feeling was insane it was uh I'm so happy my team got it done. Like that's a memory. Like Pat said, is a uh, that he'll he'll have forever. And it was quite um, sad that it was it wasn't Luca, but if not Luca Prada, you know, like it was the next best thing. And then you know going to the airport, we were kind of rushed. They they had got there a little bit before us because um, we were obviously stuck back talking photos, all that sort of stuff. And so we were in a bit of a rush getting to the airport. We didn't actually know. We had a feeling that they could have been on the same flight, given not many flights go out of Arkansas, um, because they were actually on the same flight to Fayetteville um, from Atlanta, in, in like a couple of days prior going into the tournament, and so we had a feeling that they may have been on the same flight going out. Um, and then, you know, they were yeah, they were on the plane. It was it was fine. At the end of the day, there's I know my team. Uh, is Portuguese and is Portuguese, so they know each other, and it was it was pretty mu- as much mutual as it could be. Obviously, they were disappointed, but at the same time, they they were happy for us. Like they they they're really good guys, and I respect uh, you know I respect them as as people for sure. So credit to them. I really That's wanted
1: it. to tell the story that there was a fist fight. Sorry, Pat, I didn't mean
2: to cut you
3: off. So like, I, I when was, I tell I was... people,
1: I will. I'll say like, no, they fought.
2: Yeah, I was just trying to, I thought it was funny because we were walking onto the plane and Adam's carrying the SEC trophy and we both both teams sort of towards the back of the plane and so I go to my seat next to one of my teammates and Adam's got his seat and he's carrying the trophy and he rocks up right next to Andrade, sitting next to him and he's got the trophy and of course Andrade just got clinched against and I mean, it was funny that they could laugh about it as well. I know Shelton was, and Vali were having a giggle about it and yeah, it was fine.
1: Mm-hmm. no that's good to hear um and again that mutual respect they obviously go on to have success so i'm sure they're not going to be thinking about it too frequently but again uh for your team win that sec championship uh, perhaps that one means even more than to win that individual doubles title and for your team moving forward now you have proven to the rest of the college tennis universe that you guys belong amongst the elite in college tennis uh what i you know again i We'll talk about Arizona and Baylor quickly before we wrap up the show. But for you guys to win that SEC title, what does that mean for the program, Adam? You've been there now. You know this will be, I think, your fifth season coming up next year. Uh, what does it mean now to be SEC tournament champs?
3: Yeah, for sure. That meant almost more than you know winning the doubles at me and Pat won. I think anything we can do as a team is uh, much higher in my priority list than what I can do in the individual college scene. Um, and winning that winning that SEC tournament was something that wasn't possible my first year. We weren't, there was just no way that our team was going to be contending for that trophy. And then it kind of come into light my second year where we did make the final and we were definitely contending and then we didn't get it done. Then my third year COVID hit and then the fourth year, We knew it was probably going to be between us and Florida. And, you know, they won the regular season. We won the tournament season. So we got Mm
1: 1-1. Same question to you, Pat. Again, you are now on the board as an SEC champion. What does that mean?
3: Yeah, it definitely means
2: a lot. I know goals going into the year. Our coaches, we really wanted to just bring hardware home this year. We hadn't done it for a while. Like my time since being here, we hadn't done it and to bring back that to knoxville definitely meant a lot and i know we celebrated very hard after it which was fun and i know just having that trophy in our building definitely means a lot Mm -hmm.
1: no it's a well-deserved trophy the my question to you guys is do you petition tennis australia and you're like look australian open wild card for us like it's in the cards right i mean that's what the usta does
3: yeah i mean that's that's out of our hands we uh (laughs) I have a very good relationship with uh, my coach back home. One of my coaches back home, Chris Mining, and he, uh, you know, we, we speak, but it, it's it's out of our control what happens. And right now, with the borders going, uh, with the borders being locked up, still, um, you know, just getting home for Christmas is is something we're trying to do because we haven't been home in almost a year now. So it would be great if we could just even just get home for Christmas. Absolutely.
1: Um, I meant to ask, by the way, coolest text you guys received? I'll start with you, Adam. After winning the title, because I imagine you get some cool ones, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, the phone did blow up um, after the match. I didn't really check it for a couple of hours, so you can imagine how okay. it got pretty large. Oh, coolest text. That's a good question. Um, Pat's here, thinking, having time.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you are both preparing?
3: Yeah, I can go. Def, we got i know
2: we both got an email from Craig Tiley, who's like the head of tennis Australia so that was good to get that and i mean it's funny you get a bunch of messages like people you haven't heard from in like forever so you like kind of forget about these people and like it's amazing like when you win something like the people that remember you
1: yeah, no, it's also by the way, that was a great uh political uh, you know, jocking for that wild card. Definitely give Craig tiley the shout out. I agree. Always a fan. <laughs> give Craig tiley the <laughs> shout out. Give Shut this up. team a wild card. But no, I mean like I'm sure Sandgren, Williams, all of the Tennessee who's who's are texting you guys and saying way to go.
3: Yeah, I had JP JP was one of the very first, like literally a couple of minutes after the match he you know, a message to me. Um yeah, everyone. Just like Pat said, people you hadn't heard of in, in five, ten years uh, were sending messages. And it's, it's quite funny because I didn't even think that they even knew I was in America, let alone <laughs> yeah. winning a doubles title. So it was really cool to see that they still follow up.
1: When They really should have sent you the uh, messages, Adam, was after that Arizona match. when That was probably your most heroic performance of the season. And I'm curious because I was on the call. For that match, and, you know, it was, I think, first match of the day, I want to say, for the NCAA round of 16s, and it was hot as hell. And as such, uh, you guys, you know, you're playing in physical conditions, and you're playing Gustav Strom, who, true story, has never made an unforced error ever. And so that match gets physical, and, you know, you win the first set particularly with how competitive the first sets were across the board, because I think it was a 3-3 split between the two teams, and just, again, Arizona was very much alive, very much in the match. And you dropped that second set, Adam, and it just kind of felt like, oh man, like Adam, he, he doesn't have physically, and if he doesn't have physically, this match is over. And yet, early break, I think you broke him right away to start the third set, there may have even been an overrule incorporated into that break, but just that break... Is that what helps you coast? Like, physically, how do you get through that match?
3: Yeah, like I said, that was uh, right at the very start of this podcast. That match was a a great one to get used to the heat because I spent so much energy. uh, I think, personally, we warmed up too long before the the match in that heat, and we learned from that as going down the stretch. We didn't warm up as long. Um, So we did the warm-up, then we did the doubles, and then going into singles... I had a very physical. I think it was seven five or seven first set, um, and it took everything out of me. I was very gassed go uh, after that first set, and then he got up an early break in the second, and I almost like was trying to conserve energy because I could see in the scoreboard that it may come down to to me as then the match we did need, um, and so I was just trying to conserve energy in that second set because I knew I had to you know had one set to give it everything and. The overall you talked about was actually my very first service game. It was a deuce point. And I remember I served the ball um, on the line on a wide serve and he tried to call it out and the ref overruled it. Um, And so I felt like that was a big momentum shift. Even it was just a hold of serve. And then because of the point penalty, because that was his third one, he had to start 015. And I think he double faulted very first point. So he's already starting 030 and he kind of struggled a little bit mentally in that big moment. And I mean, it was tough. I think he is a freshman, so it's, it's tough ask for a freshman playing line one to, to perform at that stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Now. And again, your physicality, you get through in the end, in that match. I know Pat, you were playing uh, Carlos there uh, on, on six at that match. And I think just again, playing that team as close as it was in that round of 16 match. I thought your best performance of the tournament, you guys beat Georgia pretty soundly. Like, at no point in that match did it feel like Georgia. I I suppose, you know, they had some success down at the bottom of the lineup, but then you guys sort of worked your way into the match, and it felt like you guys were just in control from start to finish. But that win, first match, round of 16, and then you get a day off. What are you guys doing in that day off that— you know, again, what what are the adjustments you make after that Arizona match that has you playing better against Georgia?
3: Yeah, I actually I took the day off um, after playing Gustav because I was very uh, tired, and so I actually did not hit the day before we played Georgia, um, and then I know the other guys hit very lightly, yeah. and you know we, when we're going into the Georgia match, we were we were far more fresher than what we were going into Arizona. Yeah,
1: same deal, Pat. you just feeling better overall.
2: Yeah definitely some of us hit a little bit but I mean Arizona incredible ball making team they just all pretty much play similar and it definitely took a lot out of our team and the day after it was definitely used for a lot of recovery for sure Prepa- and like preparing for Georgia I guess we do a little bit of double stuff what he loves to do is doubles and yeah
1: no absolutely and again ultimately you guys get through that match then you play Baylor and we've talked about it a little bit and I'll get to you in a second Adam but I'll start with you Pat that match the fans, because both Baylor and Tennessee brought full crowds. No one wanted to say this is a neutral site. Everyone brought the fans. It's an NCAA semifinal. Athletic directors are there, coaches from other programs are there. Everyone's on site. What's that environment like for you guys, just again, to to see that going into a match at this stage?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy crowd. It's definitely, like Adam said, the best crowd we both played in. And I know the Baylor crowd was pretty nasty, so was ours. But I know the start of that doubles point, I haven't heard anything like that. It was electric and it definitely fired me up, fired Adam up. And to get that doubles point, I know we went crazy. And James and Ian both went crazy as well. It's almost like we kind of went too crazy. And like he goes, guys, guys, we just only won the doubles point. We still would have win three more singles. But the crowd, yeah, it was amazing to have the fans out there to witness that and be a part of it was amazing
1: yeah of course you guys beat france and I suppose for the first time on that day and it's so interesting you bring up the i remember the jumping fist pump from james like definitive jumping fist pump when you guys take the doubles point and exactly that sort of emotion again the doubles point it's 1-0 but you guys know there's battles everywhere up and down the line and you know it comes down adam as you mentioned to you and joe and i'm just curious despite being on the wrong side of that to play in that crowd, to have that pressure—that's what you dream about, right? When you come to Tennessee, and that's the sort of thing—you know, win or lose, it sticks with you.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I knew, like, when it came down to me and him, I had full confidence that we 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 could get it done. And you know, they're the matches, like you said, that that you want to get out of your college experience. You know, NCA semifinal with a big crowd. I mean, all the individual players were rocking up and they were there watching. I remember the side of court one was just packed full of people trying to like watch points of points of the dual match. And like, that's cool to see like everyone else has interest in, in, in your matches. And, you know, even though we were on the wrong side, at the end of the day, like looking back, that's for sure one of my favorite matches that I've ever played, been a part of for sure.
1: You're like, I have to deal with his forehand and serve. I do not have time to deal with all of you in the crowd. You're like, do you guys mind? Like, it's it's hard enough. Because Adrian served for the match, what, twice?
3: Uh, He served for it at once. 5-3? Uh, 5-3. So he, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was down an early break in the third set. And then um, he had 5-3. He had a ma- He had two match points. He had 40-30 he missed a forehand I think and then we had a long point yeah thank god he missed his first serves at 40 30 and deuce otherwise I was probably done but he missed both of them and then I was able to get his second serve back which isn't much smaller than his first and then um we we're in a long rally and then I remember he went for a for a forehand down the line and he's missed it maybe by about a foot foot and a half and uh I just went nuts and you know changed ends and and I think Johannes—he uh, was playing Soto, and Soto also served for the match, and Johannes broke him. Like, and so everything was just shifting. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it come down a couple points at the end. Yeah, no,
1: that's what makes college tennis so special. Now, for you guys, you lose Luca, and you know, you lose a couple of pieces here. You lose Giles, but you bring back the core. Of a team that, again, what, 28-4 and overall, SEC tournament champions, NCAA semifinalist, five minutes away from beating the national indoor champs at the national indoors. There are, you know, only reasons to think positive about the direction of Tennessee men's tennis. And, you know, you look at the, the guys you're bringing in as well. You bring in players that are capable of stepping into the lineup and showing quality right away. I'll start with you, Pat. Where does Tennessee go from here? You're an upperclassman now, and we'll get to Adam momentarily. But what do you guys do in the summer so that next season, you know, you're not going to surprise anyone this time. What do you do? It's it's fun to get to the top. It's a lot harder to stay there. What do you do to stay there?
2: Yeah, I know. We bring back some cool guys and, like, guys and that play sucks, big roles.
1: But the rest, like, you and, you know, <laughs> Joe and, like, those guys are
2: good. I guess, I guess we bring back Joe, like, Prada, Mark, okay. and, like, that helps a lot. And then we bring, like – transfers like emil hard and angel diaz and we got a couple good a few good recruits coming in as freshmen as well so like i think it's just important that we like build that culture early on especially in the summer we have them training as well here so it's just good to show them the ropes early on and like tell them what we're about and like i don't know they know they come to a program where we want to win and we've got a good culture to do that so yeah
1: Mm-hmm. Same question to you, Adam. You, I'm sure, after you win a doubles title, you have this sort of successful season. You have options to go do other things, but ultimately you elect to come back for a fifth season. Why do you make that choice? And ultimately, what are you guys looking forward to, you know, hopefully accomplishing this season?
3: Yeah. Um, for me, the decision was a no brainer to come back for a fifth year. You know, having my junior season uh, cut like that was, was heartbreaking. But at the same time, when that ruling got released, it, Everyone can have an extra year was was a very was a very good thing to jump on. So I, I really knew all season long that I was going to take the fifth year. And and despite you know all of our success, it didn't matter how bad I did, how good I went, I was always going to come back. Um, I, you know I can get a master's degree now in in the one year, and I'm now graduating with a bachelor's and a master's that I never could have had COVID not happen. So it was really everything turned out well. Um, and it's a shame we lose Luca and Giles, but I mean the, the players that we've got in, uh, I think can replace them for sure. So we're gonna we're still gonna be one of the teams to beat.
1: Yeah, and I know you guys get a blue chip. I want to say in Lewis Cloud, and you get uh, someone from Ireland as well. I want to say Connor something.
2: Connor Gannon, yeah, there it is and then, then Shinsuke right. from Japan.
1: Yeah, and so the guy I want to talk about is Shinsuke because I'm hearing things, and people are saying oh, there's a lot of buzz around Shinsuke, and obviously. Coach Woodruff, Coach Mackay just struck gold with Joe Uh, without disrespecting Lewis and Connor. Shinsuke, am I hearing the right sort of things, Pat, or are people blowing smoke at me?
2: I'm sure you're definitely hearing the right things about Shinsuke. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely a great junior, and I've watched a little bit, and he's definitely very talented. So I'm excited to see what he does in the future,
3: for sure.
1: Adam, same question. These young guys, you excited?
3: Yeah, for sure they're uh, they're actually on campus right now training, um, which I think is invaluable. So that then when they join up with the rest of the team mid August, that they are prepared uh, as much as they could as they can be. And yeah, I'm looking forward. They bring a lot of energy to the practice court. Um, all three of the freshmen and in, in the transfers. So we've got a very good culture. Um, and you know, I, I kind of feel like it's my job um to 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 lead this team and and to to grow the culture even further from from previous years and i think that that's what we're doing and that's one reason why we've had good success recently
1: absolutely there's no doubt tennessee is a program on the rise now last few questions some fun for all of you uh for both of you before i let you guys go speaking of your teammates let's talk about joe quickly because i have to ask probably i'm not probably he was the best freshman in the country last season with all due respect to all the other ones you know that i'm not going to list the list but there were a bunch of good ones but joe was the guy to play number two singles at the sec uh in the sec to have the degree of success that he did i mean six five lefty that helps but i'll start with you adam you're the senior you've seen a lot of college tennis players how good's joe
3: Joe is a, he's a very hard worker and the, and the work pays off. He doesn't complain in practice and he I think he doesn't realize how good he is and that's why he is so good. He you know he, you can come off court and he and you'll ask him Joe who do you play and he'll go I don't, I don't know. Like he he does not know who he's playing. Uh, he doesn't care who he's playing. He just goes out there and plays and you know being 6 foot 5 left-handed I mean he's already starting a massive advantage up and you know I think there's big things coming for him in, in, in these next couple of years because um, what he did last year I think he was 11 and one in the regular season SEC with a loss to Draxel you know there's not many freshmen that could come in and play t- at the top of the line and do that so it was crazy what he did
1: mm-hmm. same question to you Pat and just added to to what Adam said is there almost an innocence to Joe? Like, he doesn't know better, right? Like, you're like, hey, go play for two hours. And he's like, okay, like, is that what we do here? Like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go play for two hours.
2: Yeah, there's definitely that kind of innocence and youth about him, I guess. But he's definitely just a workhorse. Like, he's always one of those guys who's, like, doing extra feeds at the end of practice, and he just always putting in that hard work. And definitely doesn't know how insanely good he is yet, but definitely excited to see what comes with JMO.
1: Mm-hmm. No, No doubt about that. And... You know, again, I know you guys lose Luca and Martim and, you know, again, or excuse me, and Giles, and um, those guys were such solid contributors at the back half of your lineup. Did it ever get to a point where you guys were laughing, like, especially earlier in the year where you're like, Luca's playing five. Like, that's kind of funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know we listen to your podcast and you're saying, like, <laughs> it's comical how Luca Wiedemann is playing number five. It was, it seemed like that at the start, but it was just tough as our team was so, like, deep and... Putting Luca there was very reliable and helpful to have him there. So, and especially Giles as well, him and Luca kind of play similar, like just ball makers won't give you anything. And having the rat Giles down at like four or five is always helpful.
1: Did you say the rat? Is that his nickname?
2: Yeah, he's a a rat for sure.
1: That's 100% the nickname. Yeah, the only difference one's a lefty, the other's a righty. And I would argue Luca's game's a little bit prettier. But like, yeah, Giles kind
2: of looks like a rat when he's playing as well.
1: Your words, not mine, Uh, but same question to you, Adam. Those are the guys you've competed with for four years. You got to experience them your first four and just, you know, what, what did those guys, those two, I know you lose them, but what did that mean to Tennessee's culture?
3: Yeah. I mean, Luca was before me and then Giles was one year after me and, you know, losing them guys, it's, it's, it's going to sting. But at the same time, they've built the foundation that I've been able to, lead on to the, the, to the future players that we have now. So like they've left a good footprint for me that I'm now going to leave on to the rest of the guys. And so I'm just really thankful for what they have done. Uh, Luca showed me a lot. Um, You know, I remember I was coming in and it was Luca and Scott Jones who showed me the way um, because they were the one I roomed with them and they were one year older. And so they just had that little bit more experience than I did. And, um, yeah, losing them is going to be tough, but at the same time, I know we have a good product in the incoming people, so we'll be fine.
1: No, absolutely. It's going to be a very, very fun Tennessee season. And again, just some rapid fire for you down the home stretch for both of you about your teammates, about one another. And again, getting back to the theory doubles partners, it's a relationship. You learn everything about one another. I'm going to ask one of you a question about the other, and then the other can give the actual answer. So we'll start... With you, Adam, we're going to test your knowledge on Pat. All right, let's go. Let's do go. side, add side. What's the go-to serve? We'll start with the
3: easy stuff. Where would I serve to, Pat? No,
1: no, where is no, Pat serving? If you're you, you're giving him the signal at the net, you know, you're saying, all right, Pat, we're on the do side, it's doubles. Where does he want to serve, do side?
3: Yeah, pro- probably Uh, body body backhand is is probably our spot on, on the do side when Pat's serving. Is that the spot, Pat? Mm-hmm.
1: Ad side, same question.
3: Ad side, uh, e- e- either T or, or body for sure. You, it- you,
1: only, you get the one choice. One choice, T or
3: body. Oh, I'm going body again. Pat it
2: doubles probably body, but I'd say T is probably my favorite. All
3: right, I
1: like it. And then the no ad point. Who's taking the return?
3: Uh, in 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 eighty five percent of the cases, it's me. Unless <laughs> unless. Uh, I'm having a bad day. It just helps so much like I'm better at the back. He's better at the net. You know, mm-hmm. can, we, if we can start in that position from the start, it obviously helps our chances. So by me taking the return, if I can get it really good cross, we're already, I believe, favorites for the point because he's at the net, I'm at the back. And that's, you know, where we had our most success. Mm-hmm. Same
1: questions to you, Pat. Do side serve, Where's Adam want to go?
2: I mean, his favorite serve would be Cannon T on do side. Is that correct? And yeah. then, yeah. favorite serve on second quarter is without a doubt canon wide.
1: All right, I like it. What about what is the thing you do, Pat, that pisses Adam off the most?
2: Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all know, I know exactly what I would do. That like my partner would be like, "Stop it!" Like there are times when I'd be talking, he'd be like, "No more talking. Just shut up. Just go back yeah.
2: there." I don't really. You might ask what that. I don't know what pisses him off that I do. <laughs> I would it, maybe miss a return or when I'm missing a few returns, I guess, maybe
3: yeah, I guess there's, on yeah. a court, we have a pretty like uh serious, you know, relationship and then like off the court, we're so relaxed and we won't really talk about tennis at all. And so I think that we know when to switch on and when to switch off and, you know, we're giving each other all the time. And, and if it wasn't like that, our, our relationship wouldn't be as strong as it is, you know? And so, but I just feel like when it's on the court, it's go time. And if he's missing every return, I honestly, you know, I, I don't get mad. Like it happens. It, there's days where that happens. There's days where I can't put the ball on the court. So, you know, we, we can't, we know when we're on the court, if we're just getting angry with it, with each other, it's just going to make things worse.
1: Yeah. See, I was hoping you'd be like, he does this thing with the towel. Then I'm like, will you just stop doing that with the towel? Um, but no, uh, no, it makes sense. All right, let's throw some teammates under the bus. Questions to both of you. We'll go Adam and Pat first. Who's got, the, who's got the messiest locker, the messiest tennis bag? You're just like, I want no part of that.
3: Oh, this is a clear one. This is uh, Giles without a doubt. Messiest locker, messiest tennis bag, messiest it's room. Messiest room.
0: Everything <laughs> about
3: him is messy. That's why he's a rat. <laughs> I
0: like it. Who's, the definition who's the... of an ultimate scrapper.
1: I love it. No, Who's the guy you want to go out with on the team?
3: Giles. He's, uh, I mean. Giles, Pat, myself I don't know we all, yeah. we all like to bring good vibes
1: <laughs> so it's across the board I'll take it alright who's least likely to pick up the dinner
2: check
3: Luca <sighs> Viedemann or Luca? Johannes or Luca?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Joe gets the excuse because he's a freshman that's funny though
2: Jomo um, would just cook instead of go out and eat food
1: oh I like it the, mo- the most likely to sleep through
2: practice Charles Hussey Charles
1: it seems like Giles is the answer to a lot of questions. That's what I'm starting to learn. Yeah. No, that's yeah. good.
3: He'll up, he's got different socks on. They're not matching socks. <laughs> yeah. One sock's half rolled up. Like, yeah, he's, he's a scrapper. But we we that's say, like, our match cool. outfit right, is, right. like, you know,
2: we organize and, our match outfit for, like, white shorts. He'll rock up with orange shorts and might be, like, <laughs> borrowing someone's white shorts. Uh, he, I've seen it all with Giles. Yeah.
1: No, I like that. Um, All right. In lieu of, because, you know, at the beginning there's the coin toss. Instead of the coin toss at the start of a match, players play rock, paper, scissors to start things off. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You do that instead. Yes or no? Because I'm convinced Woodruff would have a talk with you guys like, you have to throw rock. Like 35% of the time rock wins and like that. I just think it would be a fun dynamic. You in or you out?
3: I'm in. I I, I, I love love it. I like the idea to compete. I wouldn't be against it. The
1: alternative is that you have the head coaches play a point. Drop and hit, one point. Winner gets to
3: choose who serves everywhere. Uh, no, i would going to take that. If it was assistance, drop and hit, yeah, I'd take James.
2: <laughs> yeah, James has definitely got the ability to do that. James is playing better now than what he was when he was in college.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. Um, all right, again, last few for you guys, then I'll let you go. End of matches. It's yeah, the, the Baylor match being the most example. I think matches are best when, at the end, you can bring the matches together. So as a player... Would it tick you off if, let's say, you're playing at one and you're playing at six? They have you move courts, so you're playing next to each other, so all of the fans, all of the players can congregate in one location. Good idea, bad idea?
2: Bad idea, I think.
1: Make the case. I'm all ears.
2: I think. I mean, if you just say you're like three all in the third set and they want you to move courts from number six to number two, I just think that's crazy. It could ruin the whole momentum of the match and... I mean, it could benefit someone, but
3: I think it's fine with how it is. Uh, yeah. I'm actually against Pat on this one. I, I think it would be kind of cool because I, I hate when they're so far apart. I, I, as, a, as a spectator, it's kind of annoying having to, to try and constantly look so far away for two courts. I think, you know, you don't have to move both. I think even if you played, if court one and court six were on the opposite side, just move one of the courts to next to the next court. And so you can have them both playing beside um and you know there's a I I think contrary to what Pat said like there's already enough uh spanners in the work when you play college tennis with playing on let's short deuce just changing court is just another element I think I think we could we could adjust
1: Mm -hmm. no that's my theory as well and again never at three all you'd wait till a changeover and you'd be like guys let's move you down a few courts and just because it's just so difficult I know for instance at Michigan like You know, it's three and three. The odds are on one side. The evens are on the other. So you can't even see all six courts at once. And like from a fan perspective, you don't want that. But of course, you never want to disrupt the rhythm of the players. That's why I ask you guys. But it's interesting. I think, Adam, you might be the first player who's like, yeah, I'm in. Like that wouldn't disrupt. Like if they told you 2-1, if it was Luka and Stokowiak who hadn't finished, like, hey, we're going to move you to three. Is that cool? Would you be like, yeah, that's fine.
2: Well, I think it's easy for Walt to say that because he's playing on one. So mostly the courts will be getting yes. into play, like, his court. So it's easy for him to say that. But I think when you ask all these other players, I don't think they want their momentum. No, it's
1: it's fair. Again, it's, it's about the fans. My other thing is because part of my theory is sometimes you, you wonder if the matches are too long. If they played doubles and singles simultaneously, four singles matches, three uh, three doubles matches, or you do three singles, two doubles, whatever to make the match easier, and you play it all simultaneously and you can only play one, is that something you guys would be a fan of? Or do obviously you're the NCAA doubles champs. I imagine you enjoy getting to play a little bit of both.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I like playing singles a lot. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I kind of like how it's it's set up. I know it can be a bit long. Like, I mean, the Baylor match was four hours mm-hmm. plus a hour-long warm-up, so it's really five hours on the tennis court. Um, but at the same time, like, there's matches, there's dual matches that don't go much past two hours. So it it it's just the way tennis works, and I kind of like how they've got the format. I don't think that they should shorten it anymore. I mean, doubles just being one set is already short enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe play clinch every match. I don't I don't know, but you know, the, the matches. I don't want them to make singles any shorter than what it is. So, yeah. Pat, same question.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the format right now is completely fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I got nothing against it. Doubles okay. is completely fine. I, did it used to be eight-game pro set for doubles? And it, then did, it used to be
1: eight-game. It used to be all ad scoring. It actually, yeah. way back in the day before any of us were born, it was two out of three sets in doubles. And so... And they used yeah, to play think, the doubles after the singles, and so can
2: you imagine? Yeah, I think they've chopped and changed it a bit, but I think it's as short as it could be now. So I think there's no need to change it at all, if not expand it.
1: My my concern, the only reason I bring it up, and then I swear I'll let you go, is because the doubles um, is the most like the doubles point is the most exciting thing in all of tennis. I don't care if it's a Federer, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, Djokovic, Nadal, Grand Slam final. Give me a good 40 minutes. Give me the doubles point you guys played versus Baylor over any of the 40-minute stretches we saw in a Grand Slam final. And it's just... The problem is after that, it's like, all right, and now singles is going to matter, but not really for like an hour. And so if you could get the end of the doubles point to line up with the end of some singles matches, fans will stay from start to finish because that sort of excitement is captivating. that's the only reason I bring it up. At the same time, like if it was a choice between seeing Walton Harper or seeing Harper in at one doubles and Walton at one singles, like I enjoy the opportunity to see you both get to play at both. So it's, it's a tough line to maneuver. But again, that, that's the things I'm thinking about. Now you guys know what I've done with my summer. I don't get to celebrate an NCAA championship. But with that in mind, again – to the both of you thank you so much for taking the time to chat today i appreciate uh you know again the effort you guys made what your tennessee team was able to do don't think it went unnoticed the hard work you guys were the story of the season the fact that or maybe it's just me for being an idiot for not realizing how good you guys were beforehand but uh there's no doubt the best is ahead for tennessee to to you both thank you for joining the podcast today celebrate that title but then you know get ready because we've got expectations for you now in 2022 Thank you for having
2: us. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Take care, guys. Hope all of you enjoyed today's conversation with 2021 NCAA doubles champions from Tennessee, Pat Harper and Adam Walton. A huge thank you to the both of them for taking the time to chat. We are in the midst of the summer. They're both trying to get ready for a 2022 season, enjoying a little bit of free time in their lives as well. So we appreciate them taking some time out of their free time to come chat with us about their championship run. Of course, if you missed my prior conversation with NCAA singles champion on the men's side, Sam Riffis. You can find that on your Cracked Interviews podcast feed. I've got an interview set up with the doubles champions on the women's side, McKenna Jones, Elizabeth Scotty, for this week as well. So be on the lookout for that podcast to drop. I believe we've got Emma Navarro on the books. And then, of course, Coach Joffe, Coach Shelton. If you hear this, I'm coming after you soon. So be on the lookout for all of those podcasts to drop over the next few weeks. Of course, we're covering all things on the Pro Circuit, on the Great Shot podcast, and Mini Break if you miss any of the day in day out developments head on over to the mini break podcast feed of course if you want to hear some of the preview content we have done for this upcoming hardcore summer head on over to that great shot podcast feed and of course like rate subscribe review to all of the shows I swear I would not ask if it didn't help us with the algorithms if it didn't help us with our sponsors so please if you don't mind take the 30 seconds by the time I'm done with this rant you will have been done by leaving that five stars clicking that button so if you don't mind, again, we appreciate all of you who do that. And then, of course, for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly at Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** <laughs> of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out, as well, to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said. For our wonderful guests, doubles champions Pat Harper and Adam Walton. For our super producers, Fleiger and Westoff. Our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.